say a prayer, if you don't mind, in gratitude for all of the veterans in our country and for everything that they have done for us and for our country. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not long ago in England, in Great Britain, they took a survey on who was the most recognizable face of the UK and all the history of the UK, who is the most recognizable face in the history of their country. And it wasn't the King and it wasn't um, Elton John, it was uh, Winston Churchill. And I mean, I, personally, I love Winston Churchill. I love, I love him, his dry wit, picture of him. He was often called, many of you know, the bulldog of Britain. See him with this big cigar hanging out of his mouth. You know, it's so funny because um, right before he died in 1965, Churchill was asked, um, how do you think history will judge you, Mr. Churchill? How do you think history will judge you? And he said, history will be kind to me because I intend on writing it. <laughs> Not long before that, he was having a dinner with the uh, prince of Saudi Arabia, and they came to him and they said to him, um, they said, Mr. Churchill, I'm sorry, you can't have any alcohol at this dinner because his religion prohibits alcohol. And Churchill responded, well, please tell him that my religion mandates cigars and brandy so he can get over it. So he was not afraid to just throw it on the table, Churchill. One of the things I admire so much about Winston Churchill is this. He did his very best in his lifetime to make sure that the people of England had a deep understanding of their own history. George Orwell, the philosopher, he said this, he said, the best way to destroy any culture is to erase their understanding of their own history. The best way to, to destroy a culture, he said, is to erase their understanding of their own history. You know, and that's exactly what we saw with the, the tyrants and the totalitarian regimes of the last century, whether it was Stalin, Mao Zedong in China, Hitler, and certainly in our own time with the president, the current president of Russia and what he's doing in Ukraine. I'm just going to erase, you have no history. You have no history. It's the first thing totalitarian regimes do. They come in and amputate all the teachers of history and kill them. I will tell you what your history is. Do you know what your history is? I mean, we are part of a church for 2,000 years. Might be good to know a little bit. Pretty amazing, yeah? It might be worth, I think, kind of looking briefly at some of the good and some of the bad examples in history. And by the way, everybody I'm going to tell you about over the next few minutes is a baptized Christian. 
All of them. Number one, anybody ever heard of George Wallace? Talk about a guy that was on the wrong side of history. He was the governor of Alabama for many years, refused to actively persecuted the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. And so the president at the time, Dwight Eisenhower, mandated that Governor Wallace allow blacks to vote. And he said, no problem. I'll be happy to do that. He opened up one little station on this outpost of Alabama. They were open one hour a day. But in order to register, you had to pass an exam. And the exam was so hard, they had PhDs from Tuskegee University that couldn't pass it. So nobody registered. And Wallace was like, I, I opened it, nobody came. By the way, a few years later, they gave that same exam to George Wallace to see if he could pass his own exam. He made it to question three. Before he died in 1998, he admitted, I was on the wrong side of history. Anybody ever heard of Rudolf Huss? Rudolf Huss, baptized Catholic, went to Catholic schools, went to Lourdes as a child. And when he was in Catholic schools, he was a very physically abusive dad, sadly. He got in a fist fight one time at his school. And his principal was a Catholic priest. And he was in the principal's office and he said, please do not tell my father. And the priest looked at him and said, no problem. He went home that day from school. There sitting in the den was the, the priest telling his father. Grew up, left the Catholic Church, got involved in the Nazi party, became the architect, the head of Auschwitz, had his own family living at Auschwitz. I've seen it. The house is here and the crematory were literally 20 yards away. He was that close. I'm not exaggerating. 1945, at the Nuremberg Trials, he wrote a letter to his children. This is what he said. Do not follow my example. He was the one that came up with using Zyklon B gas at the crematorium and the gas chambers because it was cheap and lethal. Baptized Catholic, along with Hitler. Anybody ever heard of Chief, Chief Justice Roger Taney? 1864, he died at the height of the Civil War. He was the Chief Justice in charge of the Dred Scott case. If you're not familiar with that, Dred Scott was a slave, and they were trying to figure out, is this a human being or is it property? Human being, property. You know what he said? You can't even call him a he. It's an it. He said it's property. Chief Justice of the highest court in our land. That's what he said. I'm only disappointed that he did not live long enough to see his own policies overturned. Baptized Christian. Margaret Sanger, anybody heard of her? She was um, baptized Catholic, grew up. She f the institution she founded, Planned Parenthood, in this country does about 300,000 abortions a year. In 1922, she wrote a book called The Pivot of Civilization. And in The Pivot of Civilization, 1922, she calls, and I'm quoting here, 
for the eugenic killing of the unfit. And the unfit is everybody that wasn't, well, like her, that had mental defects with special needs, elderly, had diabetes, whatever. She said they're unclean for the human race. So she calls for the killing of all these people, one way to solve a problem. By the way, the year after she wrote that book, Adolf Hitler wrote his book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle, where he calls for the final solution of the Jews. Both of them were influenced by a guy named Charles Darwin. The survival of the fittest. The fit survive, and these weaklings, they should be killed off. See how that works? Baptized Catholic. Now that you're thoroughly depressed, <laughs> let's talk about some of the good examples, should we? Yeah? Anybody ever heard of Dr. Fred Shuttlesworth? Dr. Fred Shuttlesworth. Man, this guy was tough. Holy mackerel. I could talk about him all day. He was considered kind of the brains, the intellectual genius behind the civil rights movement. This guy was, could eat nails for breakfast, man, I'm telling you. It said, in Dr. Fred Shuttlesworth, it said, did not have one sliver of fear. He was beaten on a regular basis by the Ku Klux Klan, and not only him, by the way, his wife and his children. So I just want to ask you, if you don't mind, do you believe in something strong enough to allow your kids to go through that? <clears throat> he did. You know, on Christmas Day, 1956, the Ku Klux Klan blew up his house with him inside. Christmas Day, 1956, they blew up his house with him inside. The police came, the fire department, the press, they're all there. Right? This is a pile. He steps out, I'm not exaggerating, look this up. He steps out in his bathrobe, in this, this pile, and it said in the press, he emerged from the pile as Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Police officer came up to him and said, Dr. Shuttlesworth, you need to leave town. These people are crazy. They'll kill you. You know what he said? Quote, my mama didn't raise no coward. Love that guy. Dr. Fred Shuttlesworth. Man, they don't make him like that anymore. Mm-mm-mm. Anybody ever heard of Mother Teresa of Calcutta? Okay, good. <laughs> Praise God. That's good to hear. Okay, so in 1994, Mother Teresa was invited to give the prayer breakfast speech at the White House. Packed house. They all want to see this little Albanian nun, right? Come in. So she goes up there, and there sitting in the front row is the president, the vice president, and both their wives, right? 1994. Any idea what Mother Teresa spoke about? She spoke about the only thing nobody in the room wanted to hear, typical mother, abortion. She talked about how God created every human being with dignity. Right? She never mentioned the word so much. She talked about how every human being has dignity. At the end of her talk, the place erupted. They stood up, gave her a 10-minute standing ovation. There were four people that did not stand up and four people that did not clap, and I'll give you one guess who they were. Courage. Courage, this woman. 
takes a lot of backbone to do that kind of stuff, boy. Anybody ever heard of Sophie Scholl? Sophie Scholl and her brother Hans, they started this movement called the White Rose Movement under the Nazis. And what they did is they, they printed up all these flyers encouraging Christians to hold their ground against the Nazi movement. Don't give in. And they printed up these flyers and they would put them in suitcases and they bring them to the top of these buildings all over the universities in Germany. You know what they would do? They'd go to the top on the roof. They'd open it up and they would let these flyers be taken by the wind all around. So these, the Nazis are looking, who put this out? One time they caught she and her brother doing it. They came, they arrested him, show trial. Sadly, they beheaded her brother Hans. And they took Sophie and they brought her to the guillotine. And the very last thing this 21-year-old young woman saw before she died, they put her in just like this. The last thing she saw was the severed head of her big brother. Later that day, the soldiers were going through her cell and they found three words written on the, her cell wall. Truth brings freedom. You will find the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sophie Scholl. The last person I want to tell you about before I shut up is this. Sister Gabriella Botani, she's still alive. Sister Gabriella Botani. One of the things that Sister Gabriella and her 2,000 nuns do worldwide is they rescue women and children from human trafficking. Did you know at this very moment, there are over 50 million women and children forced into human trafficking? That's 50 times the size of our city, folks. Okay? So what Sister does and her nuns, they not only rescue these women and children, they get them counseling, they get them an education, they get them housing. I don't have to tell you that these women have death threats against their life on an active basis. This is big money. And these nuns are cutting in on their profit. Uh, profit. Courage. Sister Gabriella Botani. Where are you going with all this, Father Ben? This is why I'm telling you all this. Because I want to lead all of us to one question this morning on the Feast of Pentecost. Here's my question to all of us, including me. What do you want your legacy to be when you're gone? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you, I'm not saying what do you want people to say about you. That's not what I'm saying. Because where you're going to be, it won't matter. Where I'm going to be, it won't matter what people say about us. When I say legacy, what I'm saying is this. How are you going to leave the world a better place? How are you going to be Mother Teresa? How are you going to be Sister Gabriella Batani? You don't have to be them. Be your own person. But for the love of God, do it. Have courage. From whom much has been given, Jesus says, much will be what? Expected. He's expecting more from us, right? What do you want your legacy to be? Because at the end of the day, we can be on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. 
You decide.